Hello everyone and welcome to episode 64 of Red's Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host Chloe Bloxham and I'm joined by David Comerford and Varel Keeling this time. Uh, no Dan today, um, but don't worry, he will be back next week. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. As I said and I mentioned, we've got Varel on this one. Um, he is a podcast host and also a writer for Empire of the Cop. So first of all, thanks so much for joining us and jumping on uh, today. And we're just going to get our initial reactions to what last what happened last night. Oh my word. Um, so if I could get a three-word match review and then just what you thought of the game. I'll come to you first, David, um, so you can settle us in. Well, yeah, I mean, what a night. One of the one of the great nights of the season, and they're kind of piling up at the moment. To be honest, um, I'm keen to hear what 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 Farrell's gone with. Obviously, you know he's been on been on the podcast before, and this is one where there's a lot of uh, opportunity. I think um, I personally went with uh, men against babies because uh, <laughs> you know, you could go with men against boys, but I just thought babies was, was more apt. In a few senses, just in terms of a the golfing quality, but b you know the United team just it just goes to pieces. There is no kind of backbone there, and it is almost babyish in a way because I think Bruno Fernandez epitomizes this. You know, he's running around in the second half, and I, and I'm watching him, and every time he's going in for a challenge, he's basically just leaving something on a Liverpool player, and you get the the kid who comes on as well, Hannibal. And he's doing the same, and you know you could point it as as making like a point about you know we can't let Liverpool just you know take the the piss out of us for for want of a, a better word. But on the other hand, it's just a little bit petulant, and it's like it's almost reminds me of the reverse fixture in a way where it's like the only thing that they can actually do to impact Liverpool negatively is kick them, um, and that's what it kind of descended into towards the end of the game. But yeah, men against babies for me. And in terms of my sort of favourite moments from the game, um, you know, it was obviously a game listed with kind of memorable little incidents. That moment towards the end where where, where Bruno um, just completely lost his head, uh, that was quite funny. But in terms of favourites, I think the third goal I really enjoyed because obviously we'd started the second half quite sloppily and there was a lot of frustration in the actual stadium around then because I think people were a little bit I don't know if I don't know if it was concerned that United would get back into it because they hadn't really you know they threatened a little bit but not too much I think it was more frustration that we seemed to take off us off the gas a bit and drop our level um but that third goal and the, the release there um and just you know everyone on the ground People were a little bit too angry, I think. So that was nice. And then Thiago's reception as well when he came off. And we're going to come on to talk about him in a minute. But that was certainly one of the best kind of receptions I've sort of witnessed at Anfield personally to, to when a player's come off. Yeah, it was. I agree with you there. I think it's probably the best reception I've seen anyone get at Anfield. Uh, I'll bring uh, you in now, Frel. Um I mean, it was absolutely class from start to finish. Uh, can I get a three-word match review and also your favourite moment of the game? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think uh, David sort of hit the nail on the head uh, there with against babies. But um, I, I went with utterly undeniable domination. I, I think it's incredible, you know, coming up against the two um, Manchester sides. Obviously, now that City are a decent footballing outfit, um, just two totally sort of dominant displays. I think it's not often. It's, if you look at sort of Klopp after the conference, you know, he'll tend to go, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we, we were great, but you know, they, they had some good bits about them. But even him, you know, he was talking about the first half, and he was just like, it was so so like abundantly clear that we were the better side there's just no no debate about it to have I mean I mean David mentioned Hannibal I, I didn't think United had any resem- like vague resemblance of the fighting spirit until the kid came on um which is mad when you're talking about um a United side but obviously it's a it's been a long fall since uh, the Ferguson um era um, um, for my favorite moment I, I went with Mane's chipped pass for, for Salah's first goal. I just thought, I mean, ridiculous, ridiculous sort of technique. Um, but also, I, I think, you know, I mean, Mane's just been a different level um, since since the international fixtures, obviously since African Cup of Nations. I mean, we've had this since, you know, he, he's come back and obviously Salah went one way and he went he went the other. I mean, his, his goal-scoring form of late has been absolutely uh, phenomenal. Now that Salah looks like he's, he's back in the goals, it can only really mean uh, good things um, for Liverpool, I mean, yeah, we'd have to also talk about Thiago, cause, and I'm sure we'll um, talk about him a lot more sort of later. But I mean, it, it's you, you look you look across you look across the pitch there, and I know we'll go into more depth about this later. But it's not often that you can look at sort of a player like Thiago and go, actually, at times he was heads above um, his Liverpool teammates, which says a lot considering that you know we're not in a situation pre-Klopp era where we've got a couple of world-class players sprinkled about, you know, you look at the, across the whole squad and you can, you know, reasonably say the vast majority um, of that sort of starting 11 are genuinely world-class. So, yeah, just phenomenal, dominant performance. Yeah, we were absolutely incredible. And my three words uh, review was, that was sensational. I mean, there was a, there was a point during that game where I just had to, just stop and just drink it in. I just had to, I couldn't join in with the singing at one point. I just had to look around four sides of the stadium and just take it all in. Um, it'll never, ever, ever be like this again. 9-0 on aggregate um, in two games against them. I mean, we've been crap at points in our time um, and they've been brilliant, but I don't think we ever let it get like that. And uh, that team for them doesn't have a backbone at all. Um, you mentioned the second goal there, and for me, the entire build-up of that was my favourite moment. Um, it was, you know, one of the best goals I've seen in the flesh. To be honest, I just, I, I just had my hands on my head. Um, it was that good. Um, the build-up, Diaz and Matip, obviously, and then Mane's ball, which seemingly was uh, impossible, and he's put it round the corner. So, um, yeah, no, it was that was sensational. Another point is um, we we didn't, you know, make them leave on 60 minutes, but we most defo made them leave on 75 and then sang a, a lovely little chorus of You're So Shit, It's Unbelievable, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, but, you know, we've mentioned him already and we're going to go on to him because he... Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've seen many better players in a red shirt, to be honest, and that is an extremely... Um, high praise for, for this lad but my word Thiago Alcantara ran the show um, and I'll stick with you Pharrell because this was 
one of the best games I've seen by an individual, uh, especially at Anfield. We've already mentioned the the applause he got, um, but have you seen a, a player better with the ball at his feet? I mean, it just seems like he can pick a pass from anywhere. No, absolutely. I mean, it was brilliant against. Um, I mean, it, it, like I said, I mean, he just looked a pass ahead of the teammates. It, it was fun to sort of sort of sit at home and listen um, to, to the commentary. And, and they were just drooling over Thiago, and sort of rightly, rightly so. You know, like like I said, I mean, it, it says a lot about this Liverpool team when you pick, you can pick out one player like Thiago and say, at times he looked a class above um, the rest of the rest of his teammates. And we've got some bloody good players in this Liverpool side, thanks to Cop and our recruitment team. But he just, there, there were moments, and we, we've said this before, where he he just looks, he picks out the pass that I don't think any other midfielder in the Premier League or across much of Europe, would see. Uh, it, it's, it's been an absolutely crazy addition. To say that perhaps, you know, a year ago when, the, you know, the injuries and the, you know, we were going through sort of a difficult period at the time, um, it, it's mad to think that so many were con- seriously contemplating, actually, is he a good fit at this Liverpool side? Is he too slow? Does he slow down our, you know, our progressive movements going forward? Like, it, I think there's absolutely no question in anyone's minds right now that Thiago is, not only a perfect fit for Liverpool, but he absolutely elevates our play. And, you know, when we're going for a piece of history with a potential um, quadruple knock word, um, he's the perfect player to sort of help us on, on that journey. Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely incredible. He's not the player to get you the assists, but he'll get you the pre-assist. That is what Thiago does. Um David, how many times did he do that ball that just split their defence in midfield? It seemed like the pass was not on, and yet it went through the middle of their entire midfield um, to either Mane, Diaz or Salah in that little gap. I mean, I, I, seriously, I can't explain what it's like to watch him live. He's just so smooth with a football, and he picks out passes that you think, you know, a bit more high risk and... If with any other team, we probably don't do that. But with Liverpool, with that good, we do take the risks. And uh, even the even the the switcher play to Salah for our first goal, which is you know maybe thirty seconds before the actual goal, he gets us on the front foot. I mean, do you think he's one of the best midfielders we've seen for Liverpool? I mean, to to start with those those passes, I think he sees passes that other players don't see. First of all, and you can kind of tell because everyone's primed. Both sets of players almost are, are like primed for just a standard like ball slid across five yards or whatever. But then he just sort of it's and he plays like that no look ball a lot of the times as well. So he puts like the disguise on it, um, and then a lot of the times he will just like split split an entire defensive line with a pass, um, and it literally just puts Liverpool into a great situation. Um, so I think you know the vision that he has, and also the execution as well. Obviously, is sort of elite. And the point you make about actually watching him in the flesh and, and that being different, like I definitely see where you're coming from there because it's almost like you can appreciate better like the flight of the ball and kind of the the sense of the accuracy and the speed that that he's operating at. I think you do kind of appreciate more in person, I'd say, and it's like you realise just how good he actually is at football because a lot of the time it can seem robotic um, when you're watching it on the television, I think, because everyone's kind of like, obviously this is like the the highest brackets of, of football players, but, you know, seeing it in the flesh really makes it hit home. 
in terms of like the overall level and and the midfielders you know it's great that we can i think have these discussions now because you know as Farrell alluded to there was kind of a debate last season about even whether he makes Liverpool better and I think to our credit as a podcast we did defend them quite a bit and we know we, we understood the difficult circumstances and also the fact that he was putting in actually some some good performances even within that so yeah in terms of his overall place I think in terms of my lifetime and what I've seen a lot of the time really I can recall sort of workman-like midfields um midfielders that work extremely hard but maybe don't have aren't blessed with a lot of technical ability and I think the elite crop that I can think of is like obviously obviously Gerard um Mascherano as well but I don't think um I mean I was quite young when he was playing but f- as far as I- I'm kind of told he didn't quite hit the heights maybe at Liverpool that like he'd go on to a Barcelona while still being very good for us um and then the other one would be Xabi Alonso and I think Thiago could potentially be sort of remembered in the same bracket as Alonso. I really do, um, because they're similar in the sense of the the passes that they, they can pick out. And obviously, you'd want to see Thiago kind of stay for another few years and produce these kind of performances and and win maybe a few more trophies as well. Obviously, he's only won won one so far because Alonso won uh, won a few trophies with Liverpool. But yeah. Um, for me, that's the kind of level of midfield that we're talking about here. I think we've come to appreciate this season that his sort of relative level within our squad, which we talk about a lot, but also the fact that he is one of the best midfielders in Europe. And I actually think, and we'll talk a little bit about United later on, but I looked at it at the start of that game and I was thinking to myself, he is the exact kind of player Man United need. And that was the United team yesterday, to be fair, with a few absentees. But the midfield area is one that's been spoken about a lot as a gap in that squad. And the skill set that he has, you know, in terms of controlling games and shutting down um, shutting down games and so that that's kind of off the ball work and in terms of his appreciation of of that is, is crucial, but obviously on the ball as well. And like you said, Chloe, almost a pass before um, and, and making the right decisions to sort of turn the opposition around. I think, you know, just a incredible player and a player with everything you'd want um, from someone in his position. So, yeah, I can't speak um, highly enough. Um, just one thing I want to say, want to make sure I get this in. And I tweeted this before, like I've spent a lot of time this season thinking about, is this Liverpool team better than 18-19 Champions League and 19-20 Premier League winners? And I've not been sure if it is, because, you know, I mean, those teams got an incredible amount of points and Liverpool probably won't get the fact definitely won't get that this season but those teams didn't have Thiago and I do wonder now if in terms of the difference and going for this historic achievement he he could be he could be it because like I say he offers something that we've not seen for a number of years in terms of Liverpool midfielders yeah I agree I think this team is the greatest Liverpool team uh, that that I've seen I think it eclipses uh, the other two teams um, just based off squad depth. I mean, you look at Louis, Louis Diaz and we've got him to bring off the bench. Are you joking? I mean, if, if one of the front three is, you know, um, having a boss game but needs a bit of rest and you've got Louis Diaz coming on, it, it says a lot. Um, 
I'll come back to you, uh, Farrell, because do you think there was a point there yesterday where Thiago was just enjoying himself that much that he actually just decided to take the piss out of Manchester United at a point? Because there was a time where the song was ringing around Anfield and he does this kind of no-look-back heel and everyone's breath then just gets, you know, it was an intake of breath because he very much nearly gave them a one-on-one situation with Virgil van Dijk. Um, but after Virgil obviously stepped in and we won the ball, his song carried on. Do you think there was a point where he was just enjoying himself too much there that he just decided to have a, a bit of a, a plague? Oh, definitely. Yeah, there was there definitely was you know a bit where we thought, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, the Mickey here. But I think you know, I, I mean, we, we've run out of superlative to describe Thiago, but. It, I think he's almost just that good. And United was so, so incredibly poor. I mean, that was perhaps the worst United showing I, I can remember um, for for quite a while. Um, but it, I, I think when it, when he's when he's just we're talking about that good of a player, I think it almost just looks like he is just taking the piss constantly by virtue of the fact that he is that good of a player coming up against that poor of a United side. I mean, I, I mean we we mentioned it earlier. You know, there was not really much in the way of fight uh, from United. You know, the, the most in the way I, I saw of pressing from United was when Hannibal came on, um, you know, and he was going around sort of kicking every every Liverpool player he could find. Um, you know, if, if it actually kind of started with that sort of approach to the game, they might have been able to um, offer some vague kind of resistance. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... I mean, he's just incredible. He's just incredible, Thiago, isn't it? <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be tempted to say, you know, if... Because he had those injuries at sort of the middle of the season, didn't he? So I think, you know, if he'd been sort of delivering, not that he was poor by any stretch of the means at the start of the season, but you know, if he was delivering these sort of kind of performances throughout the season, less less sort of troubles right in the middle, you'd be inclined to argue he'd be neck and neck, if not above Mo Salah in terms of competing for a player of the season, because he's just been a class above the rest of late. Yeah, 100%. He's been absolutely immense. And you know what? I I still do not understand. I must see him do that shimmy onto his right foot uh, <laughs> and go past the player at least 30 times in a game. And yet not a single player sees it coming to this. Like every single time we all know what he's going to do. And yet he still has the player off who he's 1v1 with and gets around them. Um, maybe they should all just start showing him on his left foot. Maybe, maybe that's what they should do. Um, he'll still be able to pick out a, a great ball, but um, I, I'll let David come in because I know you want to say something on this, but um, maybe they should force him onto his left foot a bit more. Yeah, just just the last thing on Thiago quickly. You know, Farrell's shout there, I think, is, is quite a, a bold one in a way because um, obviously we know the levels that kind of Salah's been set. And also, you know, you've got players like Alisson as well and Trent, who I think have been amazing. But I, I do think that we're not far off having that kind of discussion in terms of Thiago's... I mean, the run of games you've been on the past couple of weeks has been, you know... I'm not, it's been absolutely staggering, to be honest. But even in sort of 2022, and maybe even the season as a whole, you know, when he plays, Liverpool are so much better. And I think he's getting better all the time. So I don't think we're far off sort of talking about where he is in terms of the overall ranking of kind of this Liverpool team and how well they've done this season. But yeah, just the one thing I wanted to say was, you know, just on this thing about Thiago taking the mic, you know, 
Gary Neville was, was talking after the game and I quite enjoyed this quote. He said, Thiago was laughing when he came off. He was laughing at Man United all game. I don't normally swear on the Gary Neville podcast, but he took the piss out of Man United tonight. And that was really the sense that you got. And it's like I said before, they could sorely use um, a player like him. But unfortunately, uh, when both teams maybe had an opportunity to make a move for him, um, a couple of years ago, it was Liverpool who, who managed to get it done. And, and thank God they did. Now, looking back, yeah, I mean, you know, I just, I, I feel stunned when talking about Thiago, but uh, at the end of the day, all you need to know is he is one of the most smoothest footballers I've ever seen kick a ball. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, we've we've talked about him in the bracket of Mo Salah, so why not talk about Mo Salah a bit more? Um, we know he's maybe gone through a little patch of, of not being at his best, which I think was bound to happen based upon the, the season that he's had. You can't keep that run up. Um, and also, judging by the fact that he's played over a thousand minutes in the AFCON Nations, uh, you know, um, he, he should be burnt out at some point. Um, and trusted to be Man United, which helps him out a bit. I mean, how good was Mo Salah last night? I mean, David, I'll come back to you. I just is it a case of he is the greatest goal scorer you've seen at Liverpool? Is he one of the greatest technical ability of a footballer, or is it just the fact that um, he is that good that even when he's getting doubled up on, he can just shimmy out of it? I think it's all of the above. There, to be honest, I mean the goal scoring. You know, no one can argue with the level of consistency that we're seeing. I think, you know, I, I think about the Liverpool players in my lifetime and the two sort of elite goal scorers. I mean, maybe more than two, actually, because you've got to consider Sadio Mane as well. But, you know, he's got the edge on Mane in terms of numbers. And, you know, you look at Suarez, who I think could kind of compete with Salah, but he, was, he wasn't really here that long. You know, Salah's been doing it for, for so long now, the level of consistency and you know he's on to 30 goals this season now he's had a massive drought and he's on to 30 in on you know the 19th of April as it was last night that just shows you the levels he was at earlier in the season hopefully he can sort of push on towards the mid the mid 30s or better um you know between between now and the end of the season and yeah I mean we can't just talk about him in goal scoring terms like you know and you, you kind of rightly allude to that Chloe because you know, some of the, the passes he can pick out as well. I think we've seen sort of him showcase that, particularly in the past past couple of years, more so as a trait of his game. I think he's really good and, you know, his ability in, in tight spaces is is crazy as well. So it was great to see him uh, get back among the goals last night. And, you know, I wasn't all that worried, to be honest about the, the drop-off and there was a couple of reasons for that. Number one, obviously the most important, Liverpool were still winning matches. Like it wasn't really ad- adversely affecting Liverpool in any way, I don't think. Um, Salah's drought. And I think now it just becomes the case of we get a lot scarier because we have the levels of performance that we already had, plus the fact that of, of Salah's goal threat hopefully coming back at this point, um, which you'd think it would. Um, because it feels like I kind of needed that watershed moment, maybe. And the other thing was, he had some bad games, like Benfica away, for example. I thought he was quite poor. Um, 
you know, a lot, a lot struggling to impact that game. But I think if you actually look at the numbers, you could see that his all-round performances were actually still pretty good on the whole. Um, and that kind of was reason not to be too concerned because it's like if the underlying data is still there, then the goals will come, basically, um, because he's got kind of that foundation. And, you know, Carragher was talking yesterday in commentary. I watched the game back and he said, and he was talking as if Salah hadn't been playing well. And I think that was a little bit unfair because I thought, whilst he obviously hadn't been as good as he can be, like I say, I think he was still actually, a lot of the pieces were still there for him. And Robertson made the point actually after the the game on, on Saturday, even that, Salah's work rate was so important, and the you know, the application and that pressing is is so key for it as well. So he contributes in in a lot of different ways, and obviously the goal scoring is the headline one, and those goals are back now. Um, and like I say, I just think it makes Liverpool, you know, if you're Man City watching that yesterday, maybe the most worrying aspect of, of the performance because you know how bad Man United are, but to see Salah score two goals again. And the spirit he's in after the game as well, you know, it seemed like he was so happy um, after the game and just sort of taking the piss out of everyone and everything in that interview. Um, I think is a is a real worry because if Man United had done us the favour of igniting him, then it could <laughs> you almost feel like it could be curtains for everyone else. Yeah, I mean, the the thing I loved about Mo Salah last night was uh, there was a point where. United were breaking and the deepest player who'd ran the entire length of the pitch to get back was Mo Salah and he was in our box doing defensive work and that is what I love about Mo Salah um, he's, he's not just a player who, who sticks on the shoulder and tries to get in all the time he is so you know his work rate's so up there um, defensively he really helps us out as well he's obviously starting the press with our forwards um, but Farrell I mean do you think that after yesterday's performance, this is going to set him on for an unbelievable end to the season? I mean, it's what we need. We need everyone, you know, um, firing because who's to say that, you know, it, it couldn't come down to um, maybe goals scored or anything like this. But if we can somehow beat these teams and not just beat them 1-2-0, but demolish them, that puts a, a really scary thought in City's heads. It can get to them. Um, so, having Mo Salah firing again, do, do you think it's going to kick him on for the rest of the season? I mean, Chloe, it's interesting you mentioned the goal difference. Uh, I think we're nine, I think we're on something like 61 and City are on 52. Obviously, City have a game in hand. They're coming up against Brighton. That could all change. Um, but in terms of Salah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think David sort of alluded to it. He was talking about, you know, it's not so much, it perhaps wasn't his glittering best, but he is almost a victim of his own high standards. I think, you know, if he, if he isn't on like a ridiculous, like 30 goals in all competitions, I'm not sure he's going to get judged quite so harshly on the on his performances. I think Klopp mentioned it as well in, in presses. And it's interesting, uh, David mentioned Benfica, because I think likewise, I, I just thought he, he looked absolutely haggard. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure whether it was just purely the physical element of... Um, I think you mentioned, Chloe, about sort of the number of games he's been playing on obviously international level, which is insane on top of his commitments at domestic. Um, 
but you know also the the emotional aspect of you know he's, he's been for the ringer a bit hasn't he you know with the, the african cup of nations and then losing to his teammates again in the world cup qualifiers and then the, the weight of that on him you know i think it's going to affect anyone even someone with as much self-belief as a salah but you know getting those goals and against a sort of historic rival in united i think at this point of the season is absolutely crucial um not that it could be season defining in the sense of perhaps our sort of league ambitions, but more in the context of, of you know, silverware sort of at large and the quad, our quadruple hopes. Because I think, you know, it's, it's obviously it's been pointed out, you know, we've we certainly not lost <laughs> games, you know. Mane's gone, went the other way after the African Cup of Nation has been sort of putting them away for fun. We've had Luis Diaz, you know, moving Mane centrally has, has sort of reignited us. But then having Salah on top of that, and especially if we can get him in his first half of the season form, is, is going to be absolutely um, pivotal to our efforts going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, Mo Salah, it, it's mad that, that we speak about him with 30 goals, and yet he's still getting a bit disrespected, isn't he, by everyone else. Um, what what I will say uh, about Mo Salah, you know, um, is that, like, I just... I can understand the drop-off because of how good he was. Um, you can't sustain that for the entire season. There has to be a drop-off somewhere. But as long as um, in that drop-off, it it wasn't like he was absolutely appalling. That's there. But it's also the fact that because of how good he was doing, teams were doubling up on him, tripling up on him. And it leaves space on the other side of the pitch, which is probably why we've seen the left side do so well when people come in. Um, and it's because people are too preoccupied with Mo Salah that they're not even thinking about what's behind them. So that that is another thing with Mo Salah. Just his name uh, really, you know, makes players and, and teams think and change the system. Because as they're doubling up on him, there's someone free somewhere else in and around the box. Um, I'll come to you, David, to get your final thoughts on Mo Salah before we do move on to another immense footballer. Yeah, um, and it is just it is just a quick thing again. Like I just wanted to mention his record against um, United this season of five goals and two assists. And um, I had a look on on a on the Optus Twitter account before, and apparently he's the first uh, player in Premier League history to score five goals against United in a season. And it's just to have a player who can torment your biggest rivals in that way is just so satisfying. And I think that kind of is worth mentioning. Another thing I wanted to say is, and like you, Chloe, like you mentioned earlier, there's a few moments yesterday where you did almost have to step back and and kind of drink it in and, and think about, even while the game was going on, think about, things more generally and like I'm I'm listening to the atmosphere yesterday which was you know because I, I don't get to go to the game every week like it was probably the best I've kind of experienced and when you hear that atmosphere and you see the quality of football that's being played and you hear you know everyone chanting for salad and I think that the cheer you could you could feel something extra in the in the chair after he scored because of that drought that he had and everyone was was buzzing for him. You could I think you even heard Carragher on, on commentary, um, you know, celebrating the goal as it went in. Although that might have been because of the the first goal. This is the passage of play that led up to it. And I don't want to bring everything back to the contract because I think we've not actually mentioned the C word up to this point. <laughs> but I just think to myself, why on earth would he? 
can even consider leaving this environment. You know, the level of adoration that we have for them, the the quality that we have, you know, this club. For me, it's a club that every sort of a lot of elite players should be looking to get into almost in the manner that Thiago did, as opposed to considering any way out. Because I think, you know, there's only a couple of clubs that are on our level and you go to them and it just isn't the same. You know, you saw, look at Wembley at the weekend. And I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but look at Wembley at the weekend. You can see that the passion in Liverpool's fan base, it just is on a different level um, to to the other clubs that are, that can compete with us. So I don't think Salah wants to leave, but I do think that if he needs to almost compromise a little bit more, um, and, you know, he's worth an awful lot of money. I, I understand that, of course, but... If I'm Salah, personally, whilst I do want that recognition of the salary, of course I do, I'm thinking one thing I want to make sure is that I stay at this club because anywhere else for me it isn't going to compare. And obviously that's just my biased opinion as a Liverpool fan. No, but I also agree. I mean, he's got a lot of examples there. Gini Wijnaldum is now sitting on a bench doing absolutely nothing. Uh, Felipe Coutinho, what happened to his career? No one will ever know. Fernando Torres, when he left, went to crap. Um, you're not going to get it. There's a load of people here who could tell you they regret for leaving this club. Um, and if Salah does, I think he'll be he'll be in that bracket because um, he needs us just as much as we need him. Um, and yeah. I mean, you, you've gone on a tangent, but I'll join you because uh, Lionel Messi, arguably the greatest player to ever kick a ball, I say the greatest player to ever kick a ball, is getting booed. Um, in a football team which has Messi, Neymar, Donnarumma, all the superstars you ever wanted, and Lionel Messi of all people is getting booed for kicking a football about. Um, so if if you know, I th- I think he's he's kind of came to the realization that um Liverpool fans are very much going to stick with the football club. Uh, I think that Liverpool have offered a good. Uh, initial contract for him, I do, and I think it's just a bit of greed. And his, his thing is, his um, his agent doesn't help him out at all. His agent's more likely helping uh, Liverpool because the fans are very much like there was players before you, there are players during you, and there will be players after you. But to mention a player who's also playing during Mo Salah, let's move on to Sadio Mane, who at one stage in the season got quite a lot of stick um, for his performances. Maybe rightly so, because he, he wasn't brilliant at times. Um, but my word, is this Sadio Mane of the season when, when we won it? Farrell, I mean, think about how incredible that, that player was when we won that. He was maybe our best, and yet it seems like he's been reignited in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, when we were all sort of dreading that period of the African Cup of Nations, um, I remember thinking, oh, look at the games, you know, especially if it goes over a few more sort of league games, we could, we could be miles behind City. And then as it turns out, you know, it, I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, it has absolutely reignited, you know, Saudi Mane. The Mane we're seeing now is probably peak Mane. I'm, I'm going to go back to that sort of, that chip past to Salah. Cause I, I, I mean, it was absolutely world class it was one of the the best passes i've ever seen in a football match um but i mean even if we look at sort of his earlier of the season form i think he was only a period of seven games in the in the league with no goals or assists from him i think between the win against southampton and the loss at leicester 
Um, not great, obviously. You're not really what you want from one of your main men up top. But, you know, the beauty of this, this forward line is if one isn't performing, one of the other two, if not both of the other two, tend to. And especially when you've got the likes of uh, Diego Jota and you know Bobby Firmino rotating and it's not really ever a massive, a massive problem. But, you know, it's things... I mean, looking at sort of the wider context of it, things just seem to be really clicking for Liverpool at the moment. You've got Thiago hitting form, injuries, which were, you know, such a constant bugbear, you know, last season and partly through this season, seem to be non-existent. We've got a, a full, a fully, you know, such a big, strong squad to the point that you've got commentators coming out saying City need to buy more players to compete with us, which is absolutely ludicrous because not a few months ago they were saying we had a pathetic squad and you know City were miles years ahead of us um, but that's obviously a side point you, you know the money we're seeing at the moment is nothing short of world class and the reality of the situation is that you know if we didn't have a player as ludic- ludicrously good as Mo Salah in the form that we had him at the start of the season people would be taking more notice of of, of Sadio Mane you know he has been overshadowed, I don't think that's unfair to say, by the brilliance um, of Mo Salah. And people are starting to thankfully cotton on again to just how good of a player we do have. Yeah, I think, David, there was times where we all thought he was still in his head. Uh, but let me tell you, his goal last night, he was not stuck in his own head. It was instinctual. That, that was an unbelievable finish with his weaker foot. Um, and not just is it fin- is finishing that's being uh, brilliant the last couple of weeks. It's absolutely it's his all-round game. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I mentioned against Man City in the league, he was our best player in that second half. Everything that we did that was brilliant came through him. Um, he then goes and has an absolute joy um, against them at Wembley. He's had a fantastic game last night. He scored an unbelievable goal. I mean... Mane hasn't been spoken about as much as he should be, probably for his entire Liverpool career. But he was pretty much the first big sign in that Jürgen Klopp brought in that you felt the tides were changing. You felt, wow, we've got a superstar here. Um, and he will be remembered as a Liverpool legend, Roney, let's be honest. He scored nine goals in his last 12. Um, I think, is it right saying he's the second highest goal scorer or is that still Jota? Is he third on this list? There's that yeah. many players up there um, for Liverpool. He's only two it, behind Jota now, though. It's a joke, isn't it? Um, the, our, our front forwards are just having an absolute great time. Uh, but is Mane right now um, the kind of the, the leader for this football club? I mean, we've got many of them all over the park, but it has felt in the last couple of games. He's just he's went up a gear. It has, and you know, the point you make about him being the first sort of flagship signing, he kind of started all in a way. Um, in that 16-17 season, he plays a huge part in us getting back into the Champions League. And then, obviously, the following season, we reached the final. Um, so it feels like, that did feel like a launch pad. And I think you kind of hit on it there, Chloe. Like, we haven't maybe appreciates him enough throughout his whole career and and even like this season and we've probably been guilty of that or, or I've been guilty of that on here almost and not really talking about him too much you know it's nine in in 12 now like you say and obviously there was the goals at the weekend so um it kind of boosted it recently but maybe we should have sort of recognized the, the kind of form he was in earlier um and it's really 
interesting to see it kind of coming in, in this kind of central position as well. Um, I think there's maybe an element there. Of, I think it might have been something I said last season of as players get older, sometimes they can't hit the heights in the kind of the, the roles they're accustomed to and players have to evolve. And obviously we've seen Mane kind of dominate that left flank and wreak havoc from there for a number of years. But now we're seeing him almost like thriving in a central position. And you wonder if that's a way he can sort of prolong his longevity at the very top of the game. And that's sort of a really encouraging thing. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is if you look at his numbers now, he's on to 19 goals, like I say. And in that sort of season he mentioned, um, that you mentioned, sorry, of 1920 when we won the league and everyone was saying, you know, he's a contender for um, player of the year. He actually got 22 that season. So he's only a few short and he could actually surpass that. And again, I think there was an element of performances as well. Maybe we're at their peak then and he got he got 12 assists as well that season. But it's a, a very interesting to, to say and it was slightly surprising for me to see that, that he, was, he was closing in on that. But if you actually look at that season... You know, I've got it up now. Like his longest drought in the Premier League, he only had one drought of three games. Um, other than that, it was it was only like two games. So maybe we're almost seeing an element of kind of of streakiness coming in now because, like like Farrell mentioned, he had that drought earlier in the season, but now he's in like a really hot period of form. So it is interesting to see how Mane's game has kind of changed, but it's also very encouraging that he has been able to adapt. I think. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who kind of takes ownership almost of that false nine role during this uh, during this run in. But yeah, I've, I've got to mention that pass as well. Um, obviously, Farrell's spoken about it quite a bit, but I saw it obviously in person. I was like, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's a world of a pass, but I need to watch it on the replay to make sure. And, and it was even better, you know, watching it on uh, through the television cameras. So. Yeah, an incredible piece of play from him and uh, and the finish as well for the goal. Like, there isn't even... I don't think there was even that much... It was a good, you know, pick out from Diaz, don't get me wrong, but don't even think there was that much pace on the ball. So it almost had to come down purely to, to accuracy. And yeah, it was um, one of his best uh, taking goals all season, I think. Yeah, it most certainly was. I mean, I think he's back to his best. There was a time there where when we signed Diaz, um, maybe it was just the hype. But I wanted Diaz to start on that left wing. And we finally found a situation where uh, Mane in his glorious form is up top. So I'll ask you both this question. Um, Farrell, do you think that this should be the number one front three? And if not, what is your front three that you'd go with? I, I think that is our best front three at the moment, which is... I mean, it's a bit of a mad situation, isn't it? Because we're talking about a best front three that wouldn't involve Diego Jota, a 21-goal striker, you know, five assists. I think 26-goal contributions. I, I, I did this, check the maths earlier. I think he's on a, a goal or assist um, every 113 minutes. So we're talking about a front three that doesn't have you know one of the best um, forwards in, in European football. I mean, what other side in Europe has that, you know, that problem um, what well, problem, if you want to say that, a conundrum uh, for, for Klopp. So I, I think, yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, put it, putting Diaz on the left seems to have just brought the best out of Mane centrally. And, and I mean, Louis Diaz, I mean, 25 years old and he's already playing this well 
in a, in a Liverpool team, which is obviously really down part to um, the job by job done by a recruitment team. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, it's a mad situation because I can't think of a conceivable way to bring Jota into the, into the side unless Mane's form takes a dip. Um, but yeah, such an incredible position to be in. And yeah, I think I'd agree that would be absolutely um, our best front three. I agree. I think that's our best front three. Um, I absolutely love pace and we've got it in abundance with those three. David, is it your number one at front three or are you putting Jotter in there somewhere? Or maybe even Firmino? Well, Firmino's an interesting shot. I think there have been games where I've felt that he, he suited to it and that we might need him. But, um, yeah, it's a difficult one, to be honest. Um, you know, Jota's stats are, are brilliant as you know, Farrell alludes to there, and we can't kind of overlook that. But I think what I like about this front three is it does have kind of that fluidity and you almost feel like they can all pop up in each other's positions almost, and that makes them even more difficult to defend. And it's kind of hard to argue with the idea that our best performances have come with, with this front line. And I, I love Jota, but sometimes he his usefulness kind of, outside the penalty area is maybe a bit limited. Like when he has like his back to goal, he's in that middle third of the pitch. I think Mane might be a, a bit stronger on that score. Um, so it's a difficult one and who knows, it could change again for the end of the season. But it's hard to argue that it is the best front three at the moment. Um, hard to argue that it isn't, sorry. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see because hopefully, you know, if Liverpool do their job, they're going to be in a Champions League final. I think that is going to be the definitive test really between now in the end of the season, obviously it's the FA Cup final as well. You know, those two games are going to tell us, because I don't think we can say now with confidence what Klopp thinks is his best eleven. Um, and sometimes that would be used to criticise the manager, but I think for us it just kind of illustrates the depth that we have because, you know, we saw how good the, for example, the Fabinho um, case of Thiago midfield was against, uh, against City. So is that our best midfield? Is this our best front three now? So there is kind of spots uh, up for debate, I think, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But certainly, yeah, this this front line and, and that fluidity and those sort of rotations, I think, look like they are too much to handle for defences at the moment. It's a kind of headache that you want, especially as a manager, um, to have so many options and all of them be absolutely brilliant. Um, and we've spoke a lot about Liverpool's brilliance but let's just take a little quick minute to just have a little laugh about how absolutely god-awful United are. I mean, Farrell, I don't think I've ever seen a United like this before. There's always been... You, I, I feel like I've always dreaded games against Manchester United. You know, even when we won the league, even when we, you know, we were so obviously above them uh, when we came one point behind City that season. Um, and I think Shaqiri has to come off the bench and score two. Even those games I dreaded yesterday. I went that game forgetting that we were even playing Man United. It did not feel like we were playing Man United. And I've never felt so laid back against the Man United side than I did yesterday. No, I know what you mean. I was speaking to um, one of my colleagues, you know, about it before the game, and he he was sort of he was at the game, and he was sort of like, "I'm, I'm not nervous at all," which is a bit worrying, uh, to be honest. I feel like it's it's a bad omen. I, I sort of like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, it, it's I, I we should be worried. We should be worried. You know, it's Manchester United. It's uh, it's one of the greats of the game, um, but there was just no sense of fear. I don't know if it was just the fact that we'd gone 
against City and we we just blown them off the park. And so you look at United and you think, well, you're, I mean, objectively and subjectively, you're just nowhere near the level uh, of Manchester City. So by comparison, I mean, you never want to go in a game and think, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to blow these off the park. I think that's not the attitude Klopp would want his players to have. Um, but... Yeah, there was no nerves and utterly vindicated by the, by the performance on the pitch. I mean, this is categorically the worst United side. And, and that, that's saying something because we all lived through the, well, the, the <laughs> David Moyes uh, in, in charge. Um, but, I mean, I mean yeah, I've, 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 I know Ralph Ranjik said after the game, it's going to take a serious serious rebuild you know he's throwing around numbers like like sweets you know five eight ten players but the problem isn't just the players it's i mean it's the culture there it's i mean it's the exact opposite of where liverpool have gone you know we, we've built a solid culture from top to bottom you know from you know the backroom staff all the way through to the um to the kitchen you know it, it's it's such we're such a comparatively well-run club you know with, with owners that you know they make mistakes, but they seem to, you know, listen for the most part to what the fans want, what the coaching staff wants. It, it, it's so. I've, I've never seen a football club have such a. I'd, I'd argue their collapse is, is probably, you know, they're a Hodgson away from getting to the point where we were, you know, sort of at almost administration levels. It, it's. I, 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 can't, I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, it's great, obviously, for you know to be a Liverpool fan at this at this point of time and be, you know, I think didn't Bruno Fernandes come out after the match and sort of say, you know, the difference between Liverpool and United ultimately at this point in time is that Liverpool are challenging for the title and United are just nowhere near it, which is quite the admission, isn't it, from a United player? Yeah, I mean, it's not a good look, is it, when you're actually challenging for top four, but you've came out and said you're fighting for absolutely not. And that is a bit of a worry um, and I think some of their big players are a worry to them, to be honest. I think some of them have just got too much attitude and too much um, I am bigger than the club than anyone else. And imagine one of your, one, like, you know, your biggest players coming out and saying Liverpool are challenging for the title. And even though you're in a top four battle here, you turn around and say you're actually fighting for not. And it, it, I don't even think they know the aim of this goal here. Um, but David, do you think they're going to get top four based on I mean, we played Everton and it was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my life. I, I wasted two hours there, I did. <laughs> but they were absolutely shocking there. I thought they'd have at least a something about them against Liverpool. You know, it, it's, it's an intense rivalry. We hate each other. I was expecting at least... Um, well, I was just expecting a bit of resistance for longer than four minutes. But their back five just turned out to uh, be a load of donkeys at the back who couldn't hold a line. Well, I don't think they're going to get top four. And to be honest, I think there's a risk that they finish about seventh because the only thing that might that might save them from that is, is West Ham being in the Europa League and maybe just almost making a lot of changes for their, their Prem games. But they are absolutely terrible. Um, and you made a great point earlier, Chloe, about you normally dread these games even when Liverpool have been better than Man United as they've kind of been... Uh, in large part for the past kind of four seasons now. Um, you, you do dread the games. But yesterday, I had to coax myself into being nervous. And what I mean by that is the magnitude of the game. It's like there should be kind of butterflies there. But obviously, there's hindsight here. But there was absolutely no way Liverpool weren't winning that game yesterday. 
and realistically there was a very high chance that they absolutely battered Man United. Um, and after that sort of Everton game that you mentioned, Chloe, I was thinking, do you know we beat them five 0 earlier in the season? We might even you know surpass that um, when we played them. We probably could have done yesterday if we were you know very clinical. But um, yeah, it's it, it's mental. Um, it, it really is. And like you actually look at Liverpool's running and this kind of big April month that that's been bigged up. And obviously you know we're coming near to the end of that now, but. In a strange way, this is actually, you could have almost looked at it and said this is one of the easier games, which is, is crazy again. Like, just because Man United just don't have anything. They don't have any redeeming qualities. They don't have, they're not playing well. They don't have a tactical identity. They don't have any character as well. They're absolutely gutless. You know, they're childish towards the end of the game as well. You could see that. Um, so, yeah, again, I think that's a, a pretty damning reflection of them. Um and I remember looking around yesterday uh, when it was 2-0 and it was about a, sort of half an hour into the game and I was looking at those United players and thinking they'd probably take this result now and go home. I genuinely thought that because you could see the frustration that was building. You could see that the panic that was setting in as they could almost sense what was coming. Um, and I think they would have just been happy to get out of there and spare the embarrassment. And unfortunately for them, they, they couldn't do that. Um but yeah, there wasn't, you know, we talked, you know, earlier in the podcast about how that, that youngster came on and he was maybe the only one who actually showed a bit of fight because they certainly didn't have the ability to compete. And, you know, you said earlier, Chloe, again, another really good point that Liverpool never let it get that bad. You know, Liverpool have been a long way off Man United and they've taken some, you know, home defeats against them down the years. But, those games are tend to be decided by one goal. And Liverpool have battled hard, even with some poor players and some questionable managers. Um, and that kind of not pride almost, because you know, we were really bad, but we kept our dignity, I think, and Man United have completely lost that now. And you know, you, you almost look ahead and think, obviously, they got this new manager coming in. How much can he improve things? I think, you know. He might be a brilliant manager. You know, I'm not saying he isn't, but he alone isn't going to fix this. They've thrown a lot of good managers at this now. Good managers and Ole have been thrown at this um, and they and they haven't been able to navigate a way out of it. And that's because from top to bottom, I think the club is almost a bit rotten at this stage. Like it's almost like in a way where everything, every single sort of element in the chain uh, needs to improve and is failing at the moment. So you can't just change one and expect things to, you know, improve and uh, and Man United to get to the level that they want to be. I think that's incredibly naive. So they have to make kind of structural change around that and they've got to revamp, I think, the playing squad. So it'll take time and is that willingness there to make those structural changes? I think historically, from what you've seen from the ownership at that club, you'd say no. So I don't think there's an immediate light at the end of the tunnel for United. But when that light the tunnel does arrive, like to what extent do we say that that's a good achievement? Because it was 2013 when they last won the league. Since then, they've only won like a couple of domestic cups and a year old community league, shield. Community <laughs> shield, yeah. Like they've thrown, I don't know how many it is exactly, but I'm going to say about six managers at it. And it'll be by the time they get to the level in terms of the playing squad to actually win the Premier League again or, or win the Champions League or whatever. They'll have spent at least one and a half billion. 
So if it takes that long and you have to spend that much money and throw that much at it, that's just, you know, a consequence of football, of sort of modern football and ha- having those limitless resources. That is not a good sporting achievement in any sense, to be fair. So that window's kind of passed for United in that sense. And they will eventually. I don't know how long it's going to take. It could be a, lo- a long time, yeah. They will eventually get back to, to winning things. But this process and, and this journey to get there now has been, I think it's almost, they're almost as bad as they've ever been. Um, and this was supposed to be the season where they took the step up and challenged for the title. So, yeah, you know, a long answer for me there. But it also, it almost merits one because to have Liverpool being as good as ever at the same time as United being at their, you know, at their absolute worst, I think is something that we've kind of got to cherish, to be fair. Yeah, it's absolutely glorious. And to anyone saying that it's horrific to see the drop off and, um, you know, the the fall of Manchester United, well, trust me right now, I'm absolutely loving every second of it. Um, and I hope it stays like that for at least another 10 years, at least give me another 10. I mean, we were crap until I was about... I mean, we, we never were that crap, but we were poor at times for... You know, a good majority of my lifetime. Um, I'm only 20, so it wasn't as much as anyone else. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd like another 10 years out of this minimum. Um, but we'll we'll move on to a quick uh, honourable mentions. Um, I'll jump in quickly. The the two players who, who I'd give shout outs to is Trent, who I thought was absolutely magnificent defensively, um, and Robbo, who was just absolutely relentless. Uh, anyone want to add on for that? What about? Uh, you know, David, any any players you think uh, need a need a mention from last night? Yeah, I had Rabo down. Um his, you know, application yesterday and he I was absolutely loving it, I think. Um he, he was loving the kind of United suffering and, and the crowd. I think he was really into it. And the other player I'd say is just to be honest, you know, I mentioned before about yep. doesn't do that much good work outside the box. To be fair to him, really nice pass um to assist the I think, I think I think Salah made the comments about him not doing that very often, but uh, but yeah, so he was actually really good. I thought when he came on, and maybe that's going to boost his his chances of of starting at the weekend. And Farrell, anyone that you want to give an honourable mention to from yesterday's game? I think Trent. Yeah, for does another sort of uh, superb job uh, defensively, which is an area he's obviously been criticised heavily um, of late. I mean, he was superb against City. You know, when they kept rotating the man coming, attacking the right flank, and had, had absolutely no luck. I think Sancho had, had had a bit of luck at the start of the second half, but we'd taken our foot off the gas. Um, and yeah, he was he was just reliable. Yes, obviously Trent, absolutely brilliant defensively. There, nice one to Farrell for jumping on. Um, he's had to jump off dead quickly, um, but thanks uh, for, for this time. Me and David are going to carry on into a little preview for Liverpool v Everton. A Merseyside derby on Sunday, absolutely massive. Um, and in yesterday's post-match uh, interview with Salah, um, he basically hinted to Thiago that uh, this Merseyside derby might be just as fun as it was against United yesterday. So, David... Um, what do you think that uh, it'll be similar? I mean, we obviously saw a very lacklustre Manchester United. Um, I think Everton do have a bit more to fight for in this instance than United do. I think they've got a bit more about them. I think they'll have a bit more about them. Um, but surely Liverpool will have a bit too much for them in this situation. Well, 
there are a lot of similarities between Everton and United. I mentioned before about every sort of link in the chain failing, and I think there's an element of that at Everton as well, to be honest. But you're right, it's hard to imagine them being as poor as United were and, and fighting as little as United did. I think maybe what we might see is Everton will start kind of aggressive and will kind of fight at the outset of the game. But what they have, I think, is kind of a soft underbelly where if you can kind of get a couple of goals early on and really put them under the caution, then I think they might fold, to be honest. And I think we've seen with Everton, like, under Lampard, they've produced some big performances at home. So, you know, they've won, for example, against against Leeds and against Newcastle and against United as well, obviously. Um you know, so they've got the points from those games and the atmosphere has been really behind them and they've shown kind of guts in those games. But away from home, they've been appalling, to be honest. Like, they've, you know, completely folded in, in a lot of those games. So I think that is kind of a reason for, for us to be hopeful Everton's record away. And they've got to play Leicester tonight. And if they win that game, they're six points clear at the bottom three. So the imperative for them of kind of surviving lessens a little bit, I think. So that, that could playing to our favour, but I think like in 18-19, they will have that strong added motivation of stopping Liverpool and, you know, hurting their title chances. I think that was kind of the highlight of um, the past few years for them, to be honest, that, that sort of draw that they had that cost us um, a couple of points. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, the golf in classes is obviously even bigger than it was. I think Everton will show a little bit more, fight a bit more resistance, but, you know, I just look at kind of their their back line. I think, I think me and I might be back, which will improve, but the team, it's like we said before about United look on the West they ever have. I think that's the same for, for Evan as well, or, or certainly what I can remember. So you'd hope that Liverpool can do the same and, and carry that momentum through. And obviously Salah's comments point to him being, him being very confident, but I mean, maybe it's not realistic to expect it to be quite that easy, but I think Liverpool are certainly capable of, of, of wiping the floor with Everton, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's fair to say that Everton are safe. I think that that United game, I mean, Burnley beat them and it was kind of like, oh dear, um, and United decided to not show up. So um, I think it's fair to say that Everton are safe. They're obviously not going to feel safe. Uh, they're going to want to get as many points as they can. Um, uh, it's kind of a case of, you know, if, if Leicester uh, beat them tonight, they're going to need even more out of the game against Liverpool than they, they did beforehand. But um, it's it's a case of the, the drop-off between Liverpool and Everton is massive and you should be able to see that on the pitch. Um, but even in that 4-1 win uh, at Goodison earlier on in the season, they had something about them. They did, fair enough. They um, were putting tackles in on us. I mean, Coleman had a bit of a nightmare, didn't he, let's be honest. But... Um, they at least showed a bit of fight, which United didn't. So I'm expecting it to, you know, be a bit more feisty and a bit more about it. I'm just hoping that the Reds, you know, can put a couple past them. I'd like a clean sheet. Um, I'd like to send them as close as they can be to that, you know, relegation zone as, as possible. Um, but, uh, you know, we can move on to a preferred lineup. I think, I don't know why, David, but I just think Jürgen Klopp's going to do something absolutely mad. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe because he's done it before against Everton specifically, but I just feel like these players, you know, um, we've got, we've had United, well, we had City, then we've had United, we've got Everton, you've got Villarreal, 
um, there's got to be rotation somewhere in there. I'd have said that Salah had been dropped for this game just for rotation, but he scored two. So I feel like it actually might be Mane who gets dropped here. What, what is your lineup? What do you think's gonna? Uh, well, what do you think Jurgen Klopp is gonna do? I think you're right. To be honest, you know, you, you look, you look at the fixtures and I'd be looking for an opportunity to rotate. And we remember sort of some of the games in the past, like there was a game in like 17, 18, when I think I remember like Solanke starting that, that ended up being a draw. Um, and then there was obviously the cup game in 1920, which is still one of, you know, I think everyone's favourites and, and funniest Liverpool games. Um, but I think Klopp will maybe kind of, as fans, we obviously would maybe be hesitant to rotate because we don't want to give Everton more of a chance. But I think Klopp will look at it and say, Whilst this is a derby and that is a factor and he'll appreciate that, this is also the team who are 17th in the Premier League and we're at home and the atmosphere is going to be brilliant. So we maybe would have enough, even without a 100% strongest team, to come through it. I think that is a calculation that's got to be made. And we've got players in our squad who are important, but also injury prone. The likes of, you know, Thiago and Kayser and those players have to be managed. So difficult decisions are going to have to be made between now and the end of the season. Um and you know, with that in mind, I've actually got Cater starting in my uh, in my team. And even even in spite of everything we said about Thiago earlier, you know, obviously it would feel harsh not to start him and feel like it would maybe hurt Liverpool a bit. But it's crucial that we we keep him fit. And I think obviously with that Villarreal game coming up on Wednesday, um, that might this might be one where we kind of sit him or certainly for, sit him for sixty minutes. Um, obviously he's really good as a tool to bring off the bench as well. Then we can keep him fresh for the games you got coming up. So, yeah, my team does have a bit of rotation in it. Um, Alisson in goal. Trent, Kanate, Van Dijk, Simakas is my back four. I think Kanate has shown that he's a very, very good centre-back in his own right. And Simakas to drop off from Robertson is minimal. And I also think Simakas will absolutely relish playing in a derby as well, um, given his character. I think he could really rise to the occasion. Uh, I've got Fabinho, Henderson, in case in the midfield. Henderson, I thought... Decent off the ball yesterday, but again, a little bit frustrating uh, in possession, I think. Um, but he was man of the match in the reverse fixtures. Hopefully he can put in another brilliant performance. I think Salah will start, to be honest. And uh, with Firmino being injured, which I think was maybe the only slight disappointment at the moment, um, I'd have Jota up front. And yeah, like you say, Chloe, I'd probably rest Mane and then have Diaz compete in the front line. So... It isn't a huge amount of rotation and clock might go even further than that, to be honest. But yeah, those would be the changes that I think I'd make. Is it mad that I think he'll start Millie and also Divokarigi? I mean, as a, he loves starting Divokarigi against Everton. Milner, um, Milner's a very good shout as well. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, watch him put out a full strength team and me be absolutely. <laughs> wrong with everything. Um, I'd go with the same back five. Uh, I think Canate deserves to come back in. Um, Tiz Mikas, love him, would uh, would like to see him. Uh, I think that's absolutely sound. Trent, I obviously want to stay in. I don't think you've got a good enough right back there that can close the gap. Um, Henderson, I probably would say um, I, I'm starting Naby Keita alongside you. Fabinho, the, the problem with Fabinho is um, if we're dropping Fabinho at any point throughout this run, Henderson's going to have to play his position. Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm going to keep Fabinho there because I think he'll be very important because he wins the ball back constantly for us. Um, I think I'll put Millie on the right-hand side. 
Um, I think Salah starts. I didn't think he would have started if uh, he hadn't got two goals, but he scored. So I think he's starting. I think Manny's getting dropped for Jota, and I think Divock Origi is going to be on the left or Jota on the left, Divock Origi up top. Um, so that's my team. A bit of rotation. Um, it should have enough quality in there to you know to get a result. Um, and hopefully we will do. Um, so I'll come to you finally, you know, for a score prediction. I hate doing these things, but um, I- I'm going to do it. What What is your score prediction for Sunday? I think you've got a point about the um, some rotation options there. You know, we could even see, you know, Gomez playing right back maybe. Um, certainly Henderson could drop into that six. I think some could be something Klopp does. And Irigi and Minamino kind of, unfortunately for them, because they've both been decent, they've kind of faded into the... Um, into the background a little bit, but this could be a game that they start. Um, my prediction will be, um, I don't, I don't ever go too big with my predictions. I think there's a possibility that we could, you know, record a more comfortable win than this, but I'll say three, one, I think there might be some kind of resistance here and, um, some kind of elements of nerves in the game. You know, we saw that in the reverse fixture as well. We, you know, we won four, one comfortably, but at the same time, um, when they scored, it was only 2-1 for quite a large portion of the game. Um, so maybe we'll see kind of something similar to that. So, yeah, my prediction will be 3-1 to us. Yeah, well, I had the same prediction, so I'm actually going to change it to 3-0 instead. Um, I'm more nervous for this game than I was for United. Uh, but to be fair, for United, I kind of forgot we were playing them. Uh, like every hour, I, I had to be reminded that, oh, you know, it's United tonight because I just didn't feel any nerves at all. Um, I think it's going to be a bit more nerves for obviously this game because it is your neighbours. Um, and if there's something that I don't want, I don't want to be in Liverpool if they somehow end up winning. There's just no no way about it. Um, but Liverpool are incredible. Liverpool, you know, should have something about them. They should win the game. Uh, hopefully they do. They've got enough quality there. Um, but you know, any last uh, words before we round it off? Um, David, because uh, these are the greatest days of our lives, aren't they? Yeah, and I think um, last night was certainly one of those nights where you do just have to kind of appreciate that. Um, to be honest, all I'd say is um, I think the atmosphere on Sunday could potentially be just as good. And the reason for that is, you know, obviously it's a local derby, but beyond that, it's I've just realised it's the first game at Anfield since that derby where, you know, the two all derby last season yeah. where Pickford injured uh, Van Dijk and Richarlison injured Thiago. So I think there's going to be a kind of anger undercutting it, to be honest. And hopefully um, those players can't cope with it because um, they're, they're going to be in for an extremely uh, rough reception, I think it's fair to say. Um, so hopefully the atmosphere is kind of really hostile again and, you know, really raucous um, in Anfield. So, yeah, I can only echo what you say about, about appreciating every moment. And I think, you know, what we're doing a good job of that. Um, and, yeah, just thanks to uh, Farrell for coming on. Um, I'll put the um, the link to the Empire of the Cop podcast in the description, which I think Farrell hosts. And, uh, yeah, also the link to our, our YouTube channel where we, we put uh, short clips of each episode. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are the days. We are witnessing greatness um, and what a ride we're, we're being taken on by these Reds. So just drink it in, 
just enjoy it, support the Reds, um, get behind them. I mean, Anfield should be bouncing on Sunday, coming off a 4-0 win against one of your greatest rivals. Um, yeah, it, what a time to be a Red. Just just enjoy it. Uh, before we do go, please do rate the podcast five stars if you're uh, on a platform where you can do that. Um, but until the next one, up the Reds. <laughs>